I want to begin by sharing a story about when I was younger. Um, I was eight years old and living on Independence Lane in Madison, Wisconsin. And we had a two-story. And I remember one night uh, having a hard time getting to sleep. And so I, I walked down the stairs. Uh, and there my dad was sitting in the chair and watching something on TV. And so I plopped down in his lap and just started watching what he was watching. And he didn't realize, of course, nor did I realize, that by watching that movie that was on that night, it would cause me to have night terrors, yeah, for the next year. Yeah. Night terrors for the next year because of what I watched that night. And uh, this wasn't just your average here and there scary dream. This was one of those, at least as I remember it, one of those you know, night after night um, just terrorizing dreams of these groups of people. This was kind of associated with the movie, but groups of people you know, chasing after me, trying to kill me. You've had these, I know. And, you know, night after night, of course, you know, I'm, and once they caught me, they would put me in some kind of a torture device. I know this, you think, why, why is he telling us this? But, you're, but it's just, it's a part of my past and difficult to go through as a child. And, of course, I'd be running from these people, right? I'd just be running. But what is it about dreams Right? When you try to run, you can't get anywhere. Why? It's, just, it's awful. You try to run and you're, you're, it's like your legs are filled with lead. You can't get anywhere. You're like, what is this? And so of course, I always got caught in a dream. And uh, I'd be you know, running around the house like a madman. You've heard of sleepwalking? And this is true. I was sleep running. I'm really, honestly, sleep running through the house. Somehow, I don't even, I haven't studied this. I, I don't really know how it can happen. But, you know, I was seeing these images of the, the night terror, but running around the house. And somehow in that waking consciousness still, run, being able to run all over the place. And I wasn't woken up from this until, you know, all the lights were turned on and sometimes water thrown in my face uh, to wake me up and to start calming me down. So this was 30 years ago but I still remember it well. To this day, I'm very deliberate about not watching horror movies or really anything that might trigger bad dreams. I'm just pretty sensitive to that as a 38-year-old. And I'm also pretty watchful about what our kids watch because I don't want them to go through what I went through. And looking back, I don't think my dad realized that I would be affected in such a, a negative way as I was. Um, I don't hold anything against him for this, uh, but I do think it's a good lesson for all of us with ch children and with grandchildren that if they enter the room when you're watching something maybe a little more mature, so to speak, uh, it would be a good idea to turn it off or to change it to something 
that their little eyes can see. I think that's a good lesson, to change it to something their little eyes can see. And I thought of a song, kind of an old Sunday school song. You might remember it. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Right. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down with love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. You're a good choir. Yeah, good. I, I didn't want to sing alone. I'm not the best singer, but here and there, you know, try to... Uh, but it's true. I thought that, so- that song, yeah, oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Um, you know, often we put stronger rules of morality on our children. You know, uh, don't do this or that. Don't say this or that. Don't watch this or that. But often as we get older, we weaken those rules of morality for ourselves. Saying, oh, oh, this won't hurt me. This won't affect me. I know you've said it or thought it. Or I can handle this. This movie, show, whatever it might be that you're viewing or have in front of your face. You guys, I'm older now, you know. It's this, this won't affect me. You know, I think uh, whether you have little eyes or bigger eyes, no matter what our age, hear this, our souls and our minds are shaped and impacted by what we let our eyes see. Everything we choose to look at, everything we choose to focus on, has certain repercussions. Often, as was my case as an eight-year-old, often unintended consequences mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. So this morning I want us to look at three short sets of scripture found in the Gospel of Matthew. And Jesus is going to give us some some pretty strong, as he usually does, words we need to hear, uh, pretty straightforward lessons about our eyes and some of the negative effects caused by what we view and what we should do about it. First, in Matthew, chapter 5, verses 27 through 29. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. So here we see that it's not only what we look at, but how we look that matters. Looking with lustful intent is sin. And I believe everyone has or everyone will struggle with lust at various times in their life. 
But it does not mean that we should normalize it like our culture has. That's what happened. You know, now it's like lust is the, the normal thing in the operating system, you know, of, of our cultural and media. And, but it doesn't mean we as God's people should normalize it. And I think what's happened is we've started to confuse lust with love. And that could be a whole other sermon. I think we've confused lust with love. And in so many ways, we've confused what love is all about, and, and it's caused a lot of problems. And so Jesus here brings up the seventh of the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. The seventh is, thou shalt not commit adultery. And he now says, he actually deepens it. Jesus always does this. It's like, don't do bad things out here, kind of outside yourself. But he says, look at your heart. Look at the way you're viewing and the way you're, you're, you're intent on the inside, your motive. Because Jesus wants to help us in here. Because if he kind of helps us in here, we're less likely to do those bad things out there. And I'll say this to hopefully make sense. So I think Jesus... Uh, so. He's saying that we become guilty of adultery, adultery internally and spiritually even though we don't commit the act outwardly. So inherently, I think Jesus is telling us this, that if we stopped our sin right away, like at the eye level with what we look at and how we are looking out into the world or at different people, if we change that right away, then it would never get to the place of having that physical relationship that would truly break the marriage vow. I hope that makes sense. That we now look to Matthew chapter 18. And just, this is verses 7 and 9. Jesus says, Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such Things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. And if your eye, there it is, if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life, speaking of heaven, with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into hell. So we get that beyond lustful and adulterous eyes, the reality is that our eyes can look at and long for many kinds of things in the world that can cause us to stumble. Our eyes can cause us problems, and we are to be watchful, not only of ourselves stumbling, but watchful of how we may make others stumble through our life. And we don't want to stumble off the righteous path of faith. We don't want to take our eyes off Jesus. That's the ultimate here. We don't want to take our eyes off Jesus on the walk and the journey of life. So like we talked about last week, you may remember that scripture a little bit. Here again, Jesus is using what we call hyperbole. And a hyperbole is a, an exaggeration 
that reveals a spiritual truth and that people will remember long after they've heard it. And some of the scriptures today, you're going to remember that. If your eyes are causing a problem, whether it's lust, greed, pride, the way you're looking at things, the way you want people to look at you, he says, gouge it out. Now, there, that, that's an image for you. Gouge it out and throw it away. He's saying it's, it's better for you to have that kind of action, the kind of repentance in your life, to, give, to turn from it than to hold on to your sin, never turning from it, and have the result of going to hell. He's saying there's things in our lives, in this case, talking about the eye, you need to be more drastic about it. You need to gouge it out, you need to throw it away. So he's not talking about your actual eye. Okay, we get that. Huh? Otherwise, I'd look like a pirate up here. Okay? I'd have my patch over here. I'd look, your pastor would look like a pirate. Not literally gouging out the eye, but gouging out those things that are causing you and others to stumble in life. Anything that takes our eyes off Jesus, anything that takes us off the path of faith and truth and love. So again, we have this choice in life that, you know, if we want to not gouge out our areas of sin as God helps us to know what those things are that we need to get rid of. If we want to not change and not gouge out, not give up those things, and we want to hold on to those things, he tells us very plainly that the destiny of such a person is hell. Now, a lot of people of this day and age are trying to erase hell. They're trying to get rid of it. Like, oh, hell probably doesn't exist. If it does exist, it's probably not that bad. It's probably just a party. That's not what Jesus says at all. Uh, it is a pretty bad place. And Jesus believed in hell, so I want to say, I think we should too. But the good news is this, and we hear throughout the New Testament, that when we make that all-important decision to turn from our sin to the Savior, our destiny now changes. The destiny goes from hell to heaven. Amen. All our sins are given over to him. And we say, Jesus, you died for all of them on the cross. I want to thank you for that. To trust in him as Savior, to follow him as Lord. When we do that, the author of life starts to rewrite our story. Isn't that good news? And for some of us here today, we know we've done that. We can say, I'm glad on this journey, I know I'm heaven-bound. But if you're here today and you don't think you've made that decision to say, Jesus, I need you to be my Savior, you need to make that decision today. You need to give it your all to him and say, Jesus, I need your help with my eyes, what they're looking at, and with my heart. I need help with it all, Lord. Cleanse me. Give me a new start. All we have to do is ask. You just have to send that prayer up. He says, all who call on my name will be saved. That's pretty awesome. Let's look to Matthew chapter 6. All right. These are all coming out of Matthew, just like my scripture to the kids earlier in their message. So here, Matthew 6, 22 and 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. 
If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now here, we're kind of highlighting something we we said last week about our spiritual vision. That healthy eyes, healthy heart. Healthy heart, or unhealthy eyes, unhealthy heart. What we choose to view, to read, and to watch in the world will either bring light or darkness into us. Light through our eyes and all that we're looking at, all that we're viewing. Light brings clarity, joy, and peace. The darkness always brings discouragement, confusion, and anxiety. You may have never thought about it before, but here is the truth. Our eyes are doorways to our soul. And that's the way we need to think about it. Our eyes are doorways right to the soul. And it can be kind of hard to get things out after they've gone in. See, sometimes we joke, don't we, about uh, some of the shocking fashion trends we see at Walmart, right? I know we do. And we often say, I wish I could unsee that. But, but you, you, you can't unsee it. You saw it down the, that, that aisle. You saw it. It cannot be unseen. There it is. There it is. But on a serious level, things that we see can't be unseen. What we view for better or for worse is stored on the hard drive of our mind. It's stored there. Now, obviously, we want to keep stored up here and in here uh, the beautiful and the wonderful memories that we have in life. We want those things to stay but it's really hard to delete the bad stuff. Those graphic scenes that we have seen, those violent images and the pornography, just to name a few. It's hard to unsee those things. See, our eyes are like video cameras. You may have not thought about it like this before, but our eyes are like video cameras constantly recording all that we see and downloading it deep within. Pretty interesting to think about. Might help us to change a little bit when we think about it that way. Video cameras, downloading everything we see deep within. And so the title of today's message is beginning to get a little more relevant. What are you looking at? Now, here are the two main points today that kind of sums it up from our scriptures, and that if we take to heart, will help us to see better in 2019. We will see better. It will gain more of God's vision for our lives and our families if we do these things, or if we receive these truths. What we allow our eyes to see 
matters to God and has a tremendous effect upon our souls. That's the first main point there. What we allow our eyes to see matters to God and has a tremendous effect on our souls. Second one is that Jesus is calling us to a radically new kind of vision. He's calling us to a totally new way, countercultural way of seeing things. So this kind of vision is not accidental. This kind of vision and seeing things is intentional. It has to be. See, we are not to just turn our heads here and there to everything the world flashes in front of us. And there's many flashpoints, many dazzling things, a lot of glitter, you know, thrown our direction. But it doesn't mean we have to turn our head and look at it, whether it's TV shows, the magazines in the aisle, movies, and the internet. We don't have to look at everything. So what if we were more focused on the good things we were determined to look at and, that the, and bad things we were determined to look away from? How much healthier would we be spiritually? How much more peace would we feel on the inside? What if we looked more intently at God's word every day so his light would shine within us and all those dark places within us would start to disappear by the light of his word? Those dark places, we all have them, would start to go away. Isn't that what we all want? Isn't that what we long for? We can start having the mentality, all of us, we can start having the mentality, I am going to watch what I watch. I'm really going to start looking at what I'm looking at. And with what I'm looking at, does it line up with Jesus and his way of love? Or does it line up with the world around me or the sin within me? And if we've called on the name of the Lord for his help and his salvation, then between our conscience and the inner voice of the Holy Spirit, we will know the difference. We will know. So here's the issue. It's how we choose to look. It's the perspective we take. Our seeing, here's the truth, our seeing determines our thinking, determines our feeling, determines our living. Does that make sense? Okay. Our seeing determines our thinking, then our feeling, and then our living. So maybe our eyes are more important than we ever thought. And so maybe we all need to get rid of that perspective in what we look at. Oh, it won't hurt me. I can handle that. That's not the perspective we are to take. And so our spiritual life, our life with Jesus, is not just relegated to being in the church and praying and Bible reading. It's also what we choose to put in front of our eyes. What we spend time viewing and reading and watching, Jesus is telling us, is 
a part of our spiritual life. And with that, we're going to close with two practical questions. You think, all right, and going from here this week and going forward in our lives, how can we tell if it's something we should be reading, viewing, watching, that kind of thing, or not? Here it is. With what I am viewing or watching or reading, question number one, is it helping or hindering my soul? That's a good question to ask. Is it helping or hindering? Number two, is it bringing me closer to God or pulling me away from God? I think that's a very easy question to ask. And we'll, we'll know that within, with the help of the Holy Spirit and what we are putting in front of our eyes. We'll know it. Is it bringing us closer to God or is it pulling us away from God? Let's pray. Lord, help us all to have your kind of vision. Help us to see better for ourselves and our families this year. Lord, help our eyes to be pure. Lord, we ask for your forgiveness for those things that we all have watched, we've seen in our past, that have brought some darkness, brought some anxiety and other issues within us. We pray by your redeeming love that you would shine your light on all those places, that Jesus, by your cross and your resurrection, you'd bring the power, Lord, to cleanse those things away out of our minds and our souls and help us, Lord, to look at what is good, to have the right perspective of following you and your way, your way of love in everything. Lord, we want to be your people. Lord, we want to see the things the way you see them. Lord, we just pray, Lord, that you would just renew our vision as a church and in this community. In your name, Jesus, amen.